overlooking the Great White Way. Here's the mayor of Musical World and the host of The Morning After, Stephen Cole. <laughs> yeah, so what what have you been watching? What have you been seeing? Wow, it's been, you know, it's been a while since we've spoken, so let, you, you know, it's hard to compile your thoughts. Uh, the Tony Awards, I guess, is a good place to start. I, I, I did, did I see, I didn't see every musical, but I did see uh, Book of Mormon, and I did see Catch Me If You Can, and I did see The People in the Picture, which came and went with Donna Murphy, which I rather liked. Okay. Uh, I guess I guess the most interesting thing is that I am in the vast minority about uh, the Book of Mormon, <laughs> oh. which is such a smash hit, right. and which I had such incredible word of mouth. And I I think I saw it right right after it opened or right before. I can't I, I can't recall now, but I you know you go in there thinking you're going to see the Second Coming, and I was really disappointed oh. and. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and it it turned it just turned not to be my cup of tea, and I guess fans of South Park would love the show. I've never been a great fan of that. Somebody one one older critic said uh, I knew going in that it was going to be juvenile, but it it, it exceeded my expectations. Really. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's 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 a it's a juvenile piece as far as the thing that annoyed me about it was I really expected the score to be great because one of the uh, writers uh, is one of the writers of, of Avenue Q and that's a great witty score with great lyrics and but in this case the two guys from South Park also had their hand in music and lyrics and I nobody knows quite who did what but the lyrics especially are are almost aggressively badly crafted. They're full of false rhymes, the kind of things that, you know, they, in the Sondheim school, they, they would slap you on the wrist for. <laughs> and it's shocking to me because Avenue Q is beautifully crafted and funny, and the lyrics are, are witty. And in this case, uh, no, it, it was going more for shock value and 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 how how filthy could we get it? And who cares if we can rhyme? I, I always think, well, if you're going to have, if you're already going to be singing about AIDS in a lyric, rhyme it. Yeah. <laughs> it just kind of bugged me. So I was really bugged as a lyricist, and and I just didn't think it was as funny as the producers or, you know, shows where people were screaming in the audience. I thought that people were screaming in the audience, mostly in a uh, American Idol type way. At the end of the sh each number, it would be this huge whoop. And But I didn't think they were laughing at the lyrics. I may have been with an audience that was older. I think it's not an older person show, and I don't think I'm older, but, uh. but I guess I am. <laughs> and, and you know what? It doesn't matter what I say about it, because I, people look at me like I'm crazy. They say, you didn't like it? You didn't think it was funny? I went, nope. 
<laughs> so I'm not alone there, uh, but a lot of people are afraid to say it. It's one of these uh, kind of hits where you look like an idiot if you don't agree with all the critics. And I don't agree with any of them. So there we go. Wow. <laughs> there, there with the biggest hit of this of the season, and uh, I I didn't care for it. So and it won best musical, and it. Yeah. You know, I bet it'll win. I don't know what else it'll win. I don't think it'll get a Pulitzer Prize. <laughs> well, I, I wasn't able to watch the Tonys myself, so I've I've gone to YouTube and watched portions of it. And mm-hmm. what I saw, I, the song that I saw that was from Book of Mormon, yes. I was less than impressed with it. But I, and- I tend to be too much of a critic when it comes to stuff like that, too. It's like... What do I know? I don't have a song on a show on Broadway. What do I know? Well, you know what you like. I don't. I, that's about it. I'm only talking as an audience member at this point, right. and and uh, it just didn't. It didn't excite me. It didn't make me laugh. And there you go. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. The uh, the musical uh, Catch Me If You Can. I I was lo- very looking forward to, and I and I rather enjoyed it, but. Uh, the, they they made a misstep by turning it into a concept show, and by the concept being that the whole story was being told through the medium of a '60s variety TV show, and by doing that, they they kind of drained the drama because you were detached always. You were always seeing a musical number instead of being part of the story. <clears throat> so. That was disappointing to me, but but a better show, in that it's it's very it's very professionally put together and and the score is good, although every number is a pastiche number, as they were in Hairspray. Same same composer, Mark Shaman. Yeah. There, there's one great number in the show at the end of Act One, which is an intimate song between two lead characters. And it's not done as a TV variety show. They just, it's about Christmas. It's about being sad and alone on Christmas. And I went, wow, here's two actual people singing something that, that made me feel and instead of detaching me. So uh, it's an, it's an interesting thing when a show makes, makes a decision. And it, and it was obviously an all around decision with choreography and direction and, and writing to turn itself into something to to give you a reason for being at a musical i think i think we're in an era now where people are slightly ashamed of just singing <laughs> in a musical and so they have to come up with a re a, another reason for it and in this case here we go you know it's it's another conceptual reason which sometimes works and sometimes doesn't in this case i think it it detaches you from the story which is a great story the movie was great and uh, they they're singing as if they are in musical numbers and i don't quite understand even why it exists in that case, because the lead character gets, he's the one we're seeing it through his eyes, and he's not somebody who's obsessed with television variety shows. It's not true. But he somehow says, I'm, this is how I'm going to tell my story. Right. And so you go, okay, well, we'll listen to you. But it's an enjoyable uh, score, as I said, and, and very well-crafted lyrics, because they're really good. Uh, Mark Shaman and... Uh, 
his partner, and they're they're really they're good at what they do. So uh, that was nice to hear. And as far as the the people in the picture, which only got a nomination for Donna Murphy because she was absolutely brilliant, that was uh, that was kind of a little guilty pleasure. It was at Roundabout. It's a, an original musical about a a an acting troupe during the Holocaust, and she. She plays an old lady one minute remembering and then her younger self the next minute. And it was it was an incredible performance. She's she's kind of of the people in the picture. And uh, it was it was quite lovely. And uh, it's it it made me cry, (laughs) which was nice to do in the theater. And Donna Murphy, I have to say. Uh, is kind of like the Meryl Streep of musical theater. She just can do anything. And uh, I'm, I'm sorry, she. if the show had been a hit, she would have won another Tony Award. She's got two already. But it was, it was not well received. And, and it was, there were, there were very sentimental moments in it, which I rather enjoyed. <laughs> I kind of like, I kind of liked it. It was old fashioned and, but it wasn't, I, I, I would have had to say it was mixed in its, in, in, in how it came off. But, uh, she was amazing. She was amazing. And I liked seeing a lot of the character actors, like chips I end back up on stage and really it was it was it was not a bad evening also it's interesting when you go in it's the opposite of book of mormon when you go into book of mormon you're totally told you better like this and in this case you were told you're not going to like this so you walk in and you th- you have low expectations and then the show isn't bad kind of kind of interesting for me that, anyway that is. That... Yeah, but with with Book of Mormon, and because theater tickets are so expensive and crazy, if you actually go and buy those seats and they're selling them for $300 at some point, uh, you're going to have to like it. Because what are you going to do? Come out and say, I just spent $600. I didn't like it. (laughs) You know how you can make your mind work. (laughs) It was a great evening. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, really. $600 was a great evening. That's right. So (laughs) that's that's what. And uh, see, I would come out going, going what the hell else could have I done with $600? Yeah, I know. I know it's really, it's hard, and I, you know, this is economy is exactly why theater is the way it is, because there can only be these mega hits where you, you spend all your money and come to New York and and say, well, that's what I'm going to see, instead of instead of the middling shows that they, they they don't do as well because people are afraid to spend a lot of money right. on something they may not like right. or that they can't go home and tell their friends they saw. See, and I'm, Spider-Man, I'm Spider-Man's doing really well. <laughs> I, was, I was going to ask you about Spider-Man. I was going to put you on the spot because Dave, well, and, you Shane, <laughs> Dave and Shane last night, they both said, okay, when you talk to him, you know, talk about Spider-Man. Find out what Okay, I'm well, doing. I only saw it twice, and I saw it – I saw the – Older version. I have not seen the version, version number two. Oh, okay. I I I was 
forced to see it twice. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to go once, but I, I take what I take these groups around right. New York uh, uh, for Explore New York, for, and and it's wonderful groups of people, and they buy the tickets to the the group, the company, right. and this is what they sent us to. So the first time I saw it, I was in I was in shock. I mean, they were fabulous seats, and I saw a lot of flying and a lot of huge flying effects in the sets and but the show itself was was a disastrous mess there was the story was impossible to follow not that you cared at all it was all about these fabulous sets and and a few great flying things and the music uh got so loud in act two so blaring that i i, I fell asleep <laughs> the louder it got the more i slept because it was pretty boring to me but and then and then i i vowed i would not go a second time but i had to <laughs> right. and i went the second time and i sat in different seats which also the flying once again it was all it was all almost exactly the same although i certainly understood and could follow the story which just didn't matter they, everything at that time was was drawn in very bizarre comic strip ways uh, the performances were there was seemed to be no real acting it was it was it was it was a mess but I have no idea what version number two is because they went in and they changed everything uh, but they changed nothing at the same time they couldn't change the sets because they're too expensive everything right. that was going on and they they moved the flying to a different point in the show the, the best flying they saved it for later which sounds like a right idea the the book seems to be more streamlined they took out some of the more outrageous ridiculous elements of uh of, of of the uh, the mythical Arachne who was flying around and some uh, it was and and had a number she was a spider an actual spider and she had a number which bemoaned the, her lack of being able to wear shoes because she had spider feet <laughs> and the other chorus spiders all came out in shoes and did some kind of it was ridiculous <laughs> it was ridiculous but that's gone supposedly and i'm sure it's a more streamlined show i tell you six-year-old kids were in the audience Hello, I'm sorry, I'm still there. <laughs> they seem to be loving it, the six-year-old kids. And I guess I guess there's an audience of six-year-old kids who can afford $150 seats. I don't know. <laughs> that's what I was just wondering. Yeah. I, I, when I was that how age, many, my parents weren't going to take me to something like that. How many papers <laughs> do you have to deliver to have a ticket on Broadway? Yes, I know. It's really, but it seems to be doing well and doing business. And, and it's, they're not stupid. They, they have a very, they've gotten tons of publicity, let's face it. And, and it's a very famous title. And I, I'm sure eventually it'll wind up in Las Vegas or they'll find a way of touring it and making back their $85 million. I don't know how, but it's quite amazing that it's still there. And to, it's, it's just the music and lyrics are, are incredibly boring uh, to me. They, they have absolutely nothing to do with, with the show as musical theater. And, and Isn't part of that probably Bono just trying to write a hit? And I guess, but I... I I think I think it really comes down to 
people who don't know how to write musicals don't know how to write musicals. Well, and, and that's <laughs> and, my point, though. He he's written songs, obviously, and yeah, he knows how to write his version of a hit song. Right, and and but that's, that's not what he's theater. doing is trying to make fifteen pieces of those into a theater piece. Yes, exactly. And and they weren't really around, and they were collaborating very strongly with with the director, who is obviously fired and gone. And uh, it is what it is. It, it falls under the heading of, of 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 let's get a very famous pop rock person to write a show, or anybody who doesn't really care about writing musicals. And bring in a different audience, and that's uh, maybe it, maybe it, maybe it works. Yeah. It doesn't work for me, um, <laughs> and it seems to happen a lot, a lot more and more that certain really wonderful properties. Well, there's a wonderful property that that's playing out in San Francisco called Tales of the City, which is was a great series of books, was two two mini series on TV, and I went out to see it. And uh, I love I love the characters and the stories. It's a lot of stories, and and uh, they once again they hired a, a rock group to write the score, and and it it shows that these people have never. It, it to me it seems that not only have they never written a musical, but that they've never seen one or liked one, <laughs> and and it that seems to be happening more and more because the people are not going to the experienced musical theater writers or even musical theater writers who are up and coming from from workshops or things they're going to uh odd odd places to find new scores and so i think there was there's a missed opportunity with tales of the city they have a lot of work to do on that show and it's doing well in san francisco because it's about san francisco and uh, i i and the book wasn't bad and it stars judy Kay, who's always wonderful and but but the score reminded me again of of people who are trying out their wings on a big Broadway show, rather than they haven't really gone through the trenches and written shows that have gone on around the country or anything else, though, because they're not into theater. They're just dabbling. (laughs) So that's the trend. (laughs) All right. Now I'm going to put you on the spot again. Sure. On your Facebook page, Uh you do something that nobody else does, obviously, but... You pay tribute to forgotten musicals. Oh, yeah. Um, well, there's an actual little page there on Facebook, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's actually, I guess it's a separate page of forgotten. Right, right. Where do you find these at? <laughs> well, see, I haven't forgotten them. That's the thing. <laughs> I have a long memory. Well, you know, it's an interesting thing. Somebody else started the page, and I I must have found it at some point and just started contributing to it. And I, I, I have to admit, I have this vast knowledge of musical theater. I love musical theater. For, to call it forgotten musicals, what, the reason it's it's there is not, it's not that they're flops even necessarily, but their shows, they're not the sick shows that everybody does all the time. It's yeah. not 
the same Oklahoma County. So even within Rodgers and Hammerstein's world, they had shows that people don't know, Allegro, Pipe Dream, Me and Juliet, you know, things like that. So I just start, you know, when I have nothing to do, which is ridiculous, because I'm, I'm writing two shows at one time again, and, uh, and, and with having a great time with them uh but i as relaxation i I sometimes search through the internet and i find pictures and i I have a huge collection of pictures and post posters and i scan things that i and and just sort of put it out there for uh for aficionados like myself which of which there seem to be a couple of thousand on Facebook who love to see it and comment and it brings back memories of shows they might have seen or that they have recordings of or or, or anything and it kind of uh, it kind of blossomed and it's and it's and it's fun and there are thousands of pictures on there if you go to for, forgotten musicals I mean it's not it's not a big deal you you just say I I I, I, I it's not even a page that you like. You become a member of this page, and you can just look through incredible artifacts of, of American musical theater going back a hundred years. And for me, it's it's just it's just kind of fun. And and I've met lots of people through there who who just love musicals, and especially musicals as they used to be. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I we don't, we don't do forgotten musicals of today. <laughs> I, I love musicals, but I mean, every day I see something posted there that I've never... Does it interest you? It's interesting. Well, sure it is. Sure it yeah. is. Absolutely. That's why I look and I, I follow up on it and I read on it because it's like, why haven't I ever heard of it? <laughs> exactly. Why exactly. is it forgotten? Because there can only be so many hits, really, and 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 now and 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 what I find even in pop culture, period, not only are they're forgotten musicals, they're forgotten stars now, they're forgotten TV shows. I'm always amazed when I ask people or people say to me, uh, "What books have you written?" And I'll say, "Okay, I wrote a book about Noel Coward," and they've never heard of Noel Coward. It shocks me. Or Marlo Thomas, that girl. If you're not of a certain age and you didn't know that TV show, sure, the DVDs are all out. But there's so much information now out in the world. There's so much stuff, DVDs of of things. But it doesn't mean that everybody knows what they are. And and some people just pay no attention. I mean, the fact that Marlo Thomas could be a forgotten star, she's coming to Broadway again this season in a play, yeah. uh, is, is shocking to me. And you know, when, when people have birthdays, sometimes I put those things up. Or, God, you know, of course, people, people pass away all the time. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and Marlo Thomas in the Dayton area, because she's married to Phil Donahue, everybody Yes. Knows. Uh, and people don't remember Phil Donahue. Uh, <laughs> we remember the, Phil Donahue. Yeah, we do too. I mean, he was Oprah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He was Oprah before Oprah. But I think I think the the point I'm making is that we're in such a, a fleeting society. Fame is so fleeting now, and and it's it's it makes me laugh. But yeah, no. It, I, when I mention things to certain people, and certainly in certain age group, they don't know. And, I, I think uh, the I, reason it's fleeting like that, though, is because the the media makes it that way because they try to make 
so much of their own news. They try to make reality. Yeah. Well, that's it. Nowadays, a star, the stars are the Kardashians. And you go, but what did they do? <laughs> what, what are they? And that's, that's kind of shocking. You know, these aren't people who had sitcoms for seven years and worked on them. So it's, it's, it's interesting. And, and God knows in musical theater, it's even, it's even more so, which is why forgotten musicals, forgotten musical stars. I mean, it, it, to me, a great musical theater star was Dolores Gray. She's one of the greatest singers there was. And people didn't even know her in her time as well. But at this point, I, I feel lucky that Ethel Merman is remembered somewhat. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to uh, consult the Book of Knowledge on Dolores Gray. I, ah, I too have forgotten Dolores Gray. Well, go to the movies. All right, so when you when you're finding old movies to see, go find a movie called It's Always Fair Weather with Gene Kelly and Sid Charisse and Dolores Gray is is the co-star in that. She is a fent First of all, you'll you'll flip out when you see one musical number called Thanks a Lot but No Thanks, which is Andre Previn and Comden and Green. It's one of the most hilarious musical numbers you see from MGM. This is the end of the MGM era, like 57, 58. And one of the last, it's probably the last Gene Kelly musical. And it, she's unbelievable. She was a great comedian. She was, in, in the old days, there were three major stars of musical theater. There was Ethel Merman, Mary Martin, and Gwen Verdon. These were people that you called stars because when an ad came out for one of their new shows, it sold out because of their names. People bought tickets on their names. Dolores Gray was in the second rung of that. So if a show, if some, if Mary Martin didn't accept the show, Dolores did it. <laughs> she, but she was as great, if not a better singer than any of them. She had done the original London cast of Annie Get Your Gun. She replaced Angela Lansbury in the London cast of Gypsy. She, she was in the London cast of Folly. She sang I'm Still Here and went before she passed away. She was really an amazing star. But you can see her in the movies, which is fantastic. Plus, there's a DVD out of her appearances from the Bell Telephone Hour. And when you, I'm telling you, or just go to YouTube, you will find stuff. When you go to YouTube and you hear her open her mouth <laughs> and sing, you will just go, wow! <laughs> That's I'll a broad put a link voice. in the show notes to something if I find it. Yeah, there. yeah. There's really, there's a lot of stuff there. She's, she's wonderful. And so that's the epitome of forgotten. She didn't do many big hits on Broadway. Destry Rides Again was, was her show in 1959. But 1959 is the fabled year uh, of uh, the Tony Awards. I, I always think was the greatest Tony Awards because uh, up for Best Actress in a Musical was Ethel Merman in Gypsy, Mary Martin in The Sound of Music, Dolores Gray in in uh, Destry Rides Again, Carol Burnett in Once Upon a Mattress. Uh -huh. <laughs> And you think, who won? Well, it wasn't Ethel Merman. It was Mary Martin in really? Sound of Music. And, and the Sound of you Music won Best Music. 1959-60, yeah. That was some uh, that year. Ernest Borgnine uh, as male? Um, what, what? No, I don't. That show might not have been a musical. I'm sure it wasn't. No, I don't. I, I, and Fiorello was that year, too. 
So, so the best musical, those were the nominations for best musical that year were uh, Gypsy, Sound of Music, Fiorello, Once Upon a Mattress, and Fiorello and the Sound of Music tied, <laughs> leaving Gypsy in the dust. Gypsy won no Tonys. Nothing. <laughs> it's hard to imagine. And no one revives Fiorello anymore. And they're constantly doing Gypsy. <laughs> sorry to say, is a forgotten musical to me. It's a great show. Bach and Harnick's first won the Pulitzer Prize. <laughs> One of the wow. few shows. When, it's about the mayor of New York uh, from the 1920s and 30s. So it's really, I think that's why it was not done as much around the country, because it's a very New York show. Okay. And, uh, but it's a really delightful uh, Bach and Harnick score, and it's directed by George Abbott, produced by Hal Prince. It was really Tom Bosley, the, the oh. famous Tom Bosley yeah. star in it. And he won the Tony for Best Supporting Actor, even though he played the title role in Fiorello. <laughs> I, I need to get out from under my rock. <laughs> oh, okay. See, you know, forgotten musicals. <laughs> well, I enjoy, I, I always enjoyed when you post them, I always enjoy reading about them and yeah, well, that's good. That's good. It's always good to learn new things. I'm always happy when I am, uh, and I'm I'm just happy. I'm still I'm not I'm not so old. I'm forgetting the forgotten musicals. <laughs> that's that's what I think is going to happen next. They'll all jumble together in my head when I'm in the old age home, and <laughs> <laughs> nothing nothing will make sense. <laughs> and. I got to put out a DVD this year, which you should, you should put a link on Anything okay. Goes, which is uh, not a forgotten musical because it keeps getting revived, right. but it was uh, the TV version with Ethel Merman and Frank Sinatra and Burt Lahr. And I, I, I wrote the liner notes and the, the actual kinescope, which is the film of the television show from 1954, because things only existed from these were live television days, and it only exists because a film was taken, a professional film that was shot off of a television screen. And, and oh, this wow. one was Ethel Merman's personal kinescope. And after she died, it was left to me. And I've had it all these years because I was friends with her. And, and so this company came along and I lent them my kinescope. And it turned out to be the best looking document of this TV show in black and white, even though it was originally in color. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and so they, they've released it. And it's an absolutely gorgeous print of this and I'm so proud of the, the notes that I wrote because I got to tell a kind of personal history of showing this to Ethel oh, and when she was alive and yeah, send me a and, link to where I can post yeah. the show notes so people can find that and get it yeah it's really I'm really very That's proud awesome. of that that and and that was that was part of my fun writing for the year <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And, That's awesome yeah, thank you. <laughs> so what else did you want to talk about? <laughs> I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I appreciate it. Um, okay. What What else? Are, you said you're writing two musicals. Are you? Uh... Yeah, I, I've gone back to two shows that have 
got, went on the back burner a little bit while we were working on Qatar and I did Night of the Hunter, all those things last year. And one is uh, Merman's Apprentice, which I think oh, we yeah. talked about. Yeah. Yeah. And that we finally did a living room reading of it. To I finally finished a draft with David Evans as the composer, Clea Blackhurst, who is unbelievable playing Ethel Merman, David Garrison played David Merrick. We obviously have real people in this show. And it, it turned out to be wonderful. And we learned a lot. I did my second draft rewrite. And now we're looking for a director. And we're going to do a, we're going to do a full-fledged reading in the fall. And that, so that's now on, on track. I'm very happy. And the other one also is, is an old-time thing that I've come back to, which is the black and white ball, which I'm doing with Todd Ellison. Which is uh, both of these are original stories, and that they, uh, I think you know, an original musical is the hardest thing of all. Uh, it's not based on anything, even though it has realistic characters in it. Uh, I'm constantly going, well, what's going to happen next? <laughs> and that's what I'm I'm doing, and and so now I'm doing the same thing with Black and White Ball, finishing it up for the fall so that we can do I always think it's good to do a, a, a very low key living room reading with just a few friends and you see what you have before you show it to the world sure. because once you show it to the world they, they're they very unforgiving <laughs> so it's best to keep it to yourself as long as you can and, and, and work on it and make it better and so we're really excited about that one and uh, and I'm, you know, looking for a new show. David Crane and I are always looking. We've got a CD of the, the original cast of The Road to Guitar is coming out, hopefully, any minute. <laughs> it's on the J, J Records website as coming soon. The cover looks fabulous. I did the liner notes that's publishing the libretto. It's very exciting, and, and, and hopefully that will propel the show on to other productions because it, this, everything I've heard of the CD sounds fabulous, just oh. fabulous. And as soon as we can, we'll let you play a couple of cuts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've got to figure so. out a way to get you to Dayton. I know. I would love to. And, you know, I, I yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I yeah, got we, four thousand shows. Let's do a show. <laughs> <laughs> we just had uh, Mark Weiser. Uh huh. Oh, two weeks ago, I guess I was on vacation. I I didn't get a chance to meet him, but uh, we're this weekend. We're doing In My Blood, which is his show, and uh, he came in to work with the cast. And oh, let's see. At the end, are you uh, doing it as a reading? Uh, no, it's a stage production. Wow, um, fantastic! Yeah, yeah, that's sort of what. We we have our uh, our reading series that we do the readings, and this was a show of his called The Cure that we did a reading of last year in our mm-hmm. reading series, and we decided to go ahead and help him develop it on into uh, the next step, which is a production, a small production, and hopefully uh, he'll take things from this and he'll yeah, change and do fantastic. whatever he needs to do to make it, uh, you know, the the crowds in Dayton are maybe a little smaller, but they're also more forgiving. And, yeah, and of course. Becoming more appreciative uh, between mm-hmm. the work that we're doing and Human Race Theater in Dayton is doing, they are more appreciative of the new works. That's that's wonderful. You that's have to you have to train to people. You know that. Yeah, you yeah, have to that's train exactly an audience. 
and and what happens is if you don't, they they become very complacent. And they only want to see old shows, and then and not even the forgotten musicals. They only want to see last year's big hit. So you have to keep training them. Yeah. And I know I know I've worked at theaters that did that, and then they don't do it anymore because what happens is they they. They're afraid they're not going to make money on 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 shows that people don't know. Oh. So there has to but there has to be a mix. There has to be some medium we're, to that. We're not so afraid of not making money. <laughs> we're, we're not afraid of not making money. We know we're not going to make money. <laughs> I know. Me too. <laughs> I'm really good at not making money. <laughs> <laughs> We've become experts. <laughs> I want to make a lot of money. Then I'll then I'll come and endow your theater. There you go. <laughs> Then, That's what I want to hear. So that would be <laughs> wonderful. So yeah, get me, get me out there. I've, I haven't been to Ohio. Well, I've, Ohio's near Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, you were <laughs> close to, you were close to Ohio, and I was close, and I, and I, and I visited, but I haven't done any shows in that state, and I've done shows in lots and lots of states. I'd start adding them up, but oh, uh, we need to do <laughs> something about that. So okay, well this was a blast. Absolutely. Uh, I, I I hope I you know I didn't have any like rave reviews. There must be something I saw this year that I loved. You know what I loved? I loved, and it's not a musical. War Horse is the best thing that's running. It's, a friend it's, of ours it just is, saw it uh, last night for his birthday. Uh, friend, oh. Well, the Human Race Theater managing director, uh, uh, Kevin yeah. Moore. He's in New York, and he just saw it last night for his birthday. Did he? Did he? he did you hear about it? He said he really liked it. Oh, I loved it. It's, it is the piece of theater to see in New York. It's just it's it's spectacular and wonderful. And listen, anything goes is good. I mean, you can't go wrong with with that show. I'm not a big Sutton Foster fan. I always make fun of her because she's such a big star. Oh, oh, Shane, <laughs> Shane, shut your ears, Shane. I know. He's going to get really <laughs> upset. I know. You know, lots of people love her and she's gorgeous and all that. <laughs> but you have to remember, I knew Ethel Merman, so it's hard. <laughs> it's hard for me. No, but I enjoyed the show a lot despite despite all that. And uh, But but, but War Horse for me, and, and, and the normal horror was was uh, just devastating. The I, I saw the play back in the '80s. I saw it again in the revival uh, in the '90s, or and now it, it was fabulous. It's gone now, but what what a monumental play! But Warhorse, if if you have to spend the big money, that's the show because you not only get your money's worth because it looks so spectacular, but it's a theatrical experience unlike any other. And uh, I just, I saw it in London also, and I, I didn't know if I would, you know, be bored the second time, but I was not. And, I, and, and it's a show you have to bring six boxes of Kleenex to. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a boy and his horse. What are you going to do? Yeah, You're going to yeah. cry. <laughs> it's great. It's Hence great. the well, joke the Tony about Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, yes, exactly. I have not, I have not seen how to succeed, so I, I can't, I can't comment. But he, he looks very young. <laughs> All right, sir. Okay. Thanks for your we'll time. We'll talk it's, again soon. Yeah, it's sure. been great talking to you. Let's not wait so long to do another one of these. All righty. Catch up more, more often. Okay. Thanks. All right. Thanks bye a bye. lot, Stephen. Have a good one. <laughs>